Revelation 21 and 22, the ultimate Sukkot, the new heavens and the new earth. Revelation 21, verse 22, I, John, saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And the majority of these two chapters, Revelation 21 and 22, is about the new Jerusalem. It's really not too much about the new earth or the new heavens. Primarily about the new Jerusalem. There's not a whole lot in the Bible about heaven. A few verses here and there. Uh, some passages like Isaiah 50, 65 and 66 have some verses there, the lion and the lamb, and also mentions the new heavens and new earth there. Uh, and a few other verses. And in the first uh, beginning of Genesis, we have... The description of the Garden of Eden before the fall gives a little glimpse as well. But uh, for the considering the size of the Bible and and how many verses and chapters there are, there's very little comparatively about it. Uh, it's more about how to get ready for there, how to come out of again bondage out of Egypt and come into God's eternal plan for our lives and bring us back to the Eden that He has created for us. And so we get a nice little glimpse here in these two compact chapters. And so John sees the New Jerusalem coming down from God as adorned for her bride, as a bride for our husband. Now, another passage, it says that we are the bride. Here it's saying the New Jerusalem is the bride. But the New Jerusalem with beautiful walls and beautiful gates and beautiful foundations and paths and streets is nothing without people in it. Right? An abandoned city is just an old abandoned city, right? It's nothing. Uh, but it's the people of the city that make it the city. And so it's the, us in the city. So the Lord comes, he comes back, he separates the sheep and the goat, the wheat and the tares, and the righteous and the wicked. He judges the wicked, and then he takes the wheat into the barns and the sheep, and he uh, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. The Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the shofar of God, right? So the ultimate Yom Kippur, the end of Yom Kippur, the final trump, last trump, and he gathers those that are, uh, have died in Messiah, rise first, we which are alive and remain, caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and he takes us to the mansions he's preparing for us, and we're there for a time, we don't have time to get into that, this year, did that in years past, and again, you can see a sermon on that uh, on shalomadventure.com. But then he brings us to that New Jerusalem, and then after a period of time, he brings us back. And here we are, John sees us in the city, the New Jerusalem, the bride, coming down to this earth. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people God himself will be with them and be their God. So here we have tabernacle. He will tabernacle with us. So the Feast of Tabernacles right here in verse 3. He mentions that word tabernacle. He tabernacles, the tabernacle of God. So the new Jerusalem becomes the tabernacle of God, the city of God, the bride of God. It becomes the ultimate sukkah, the biggest sukkah ever built, right? To the tabernacle, then he wants to be with us. He wants the tabernacle with us. And that takes us back to the, the imagery in the wilderness where he told Moses to build them a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Right? The tabernacle that he built, that God wants to be with us. What a God. 
What a beautiful God that he wants to be with us, that he comes to us and he invites us to live with him. Right? So much different than so many other gods out there that, that uh, you know, invite you to come to their temple and bring your fruit or your offerings to them and feed them. Here is a God that comes to us and who feeds us and who provides for us and wants to dwell with us, be with us, tabernacle, who came and tabernacled in the flesh with us became one of us and one with us. What a beautiful God who walked in the garden with Adam and Eve, who spoke with them and met with them, a God who loves to be with us and today is also still with us, with his spirit coming into our midst and coming into our presence and is here right now tonight with us, never leaves us nor forsakes us. Now I noticed in reading of Revelation 21 and 22 this year for the first time, heard it many times, but I noticed over and over again it kept saying the same things. Ten different things, maybe even more. Uh, that's all I could fit on the slide. Ten different things uh, that he mentions more than once. And not just mentioning, just a mention, like he mentions gates and gates and gates and gates. But I mean, mentions the gates, talks about it a bit, and then goes on to talk about something else, and then talks about the gates again with the same phrase. Ten different times he does that, talks about something, leaves the subject, and then brings up the subject again. This repetition. So the New Jerusalem descending, mentioned twice. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, mentioned twice, at least twice. The sexual, immoral, the sorcerers, the liars, mentioned twice. Jasper stone, clear as glass, mentioned twice. Gold, clear as glass, mentioned twice. Twelve gates, twice. Twelve foundations, twice, again, at least twice. Water of life freely to him who thirsts. So phrases, full phrases, twice. No need of the sun, the Lord God gives them light, twice. And I am coming quickly, at least twice, in just these two chapters. That's a lot of repetition for just two chapters. Why do you think he does that? Why do you think he says all these things, almost again, the same exact phrases, twice in two different areas of these chapters? I think he's giving us the assurance, like verily, verily, truly, truly. This is definite, right? He didn't give us a lot of information about it, but believe him, heaven's going to be great. There is a wonderful new Jerusalem. And, and one of the reasons I think that God doesn't talk a lot about it is because whatever he would say would pale in comparison to the reality of it, right? You can't put it into words. Uh, you can't even paint it. No eye has seen nor ear heard, nor has even entered the mind of man the things that God has in store for us. So we can't imagine it. We can't even picture it. We can't even relate to it here in our human trapped little bodies. And so he just gives us a couple little indications, but he gives us this promise more than once, over and over again, like two witnesses, it's true. It's confirmed. He confirms himself twice. That it's reality. We have something to look forward to. And we can begin beginning, begin experiencing the promises of heaven even now. I mean, the reality of it, living forever and all the beautiful things we're going to read about, uh, we'll get to experience physically and forever and ever and ever. But the peace of heaven, the removal of out of this world mentally and emotionally, we can experience that now. The freedom from bondage and sin and habits and addictions, we can experience that now. 
the peace of God, the rejoicing we can experience now in spite of all the problems and troubles that we face on this earth. And that's really heaven. Not really, really heaven is real. <laughs> but we can be experiencing the peace of heaven now. And heaven really, I think there's even a song, heaven is real, if not, that'd be great, Karen. <laughs> there's a, uh, heaven would not be heaven unless Yeshua was there. Right? If you had all the streets of gold and the wonderful pearls and the tree of life and the river of life, and you had all these wonderful things and a country home and a city home and, and all the beautiful things that he has in store for us, but he wasn't there, it really wouldn't be worth anything. It only has meaning. We'd ruin it anyway without him. It only has meaning because he's there. And if those things weren't there, but he was there, then that's enough. And that's how we can experience heaven now, because he is here. He is with us, and he will be with us. And we can bring him everywhere and, and have him with us all the time. Sense his presence, believe in his presence, and thus that is heaven. Being with him, that is the most important part of heaven. Walking with him and talking with him, knowing that he is our own. So back to Revelation 21. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and also there was no more sea. So if the first heavens and the first earth passed away, where'd they go? Where'd they go? They got burned up, right? We read about that last week, right? He had to destroy it all. The elements, as 2 Peter says, the elements will melt. Well, it's Peter who said it, but he said it in 2 Peter. The elements will melt with fervent heat, and the earth will burn up. And everything in it will burn up. It just melts. Everything melts. All the elements, all the elements on the elements table, right? They all melt. The steel, the gold, the silver, all the junk, the tin, the cars, rubber, all the junk, concrete, blacktop, it all melts away and becomes just a molten mass. And the sea is no more. What sea is he talking about? What he talked about just verses before in the chapter before, the sea of fire, what? Right, the, the fire, right, where the, the, it throws them into the sea. Right, what's it called? That the, uh, the lake of fire, right? Throws them into the lake of fire and there's no more. It burns up, it burns it all up. Totally burned up, totally gone, and there is no more. It's no more. It makes a new heavens and a new earth. And it's interesting, it says heavens. Back in John's day, for him to write, he's got to impress him, there'll be a new heavens. In John's day, we didn't need a new heavens. The heaven then, the sky then was fine. <laughs> it's now that we've polluted it. It's now we've sent satellites and all kinds of space junk up there that he has to burn that up as well. Stuff on the moon and stuff on Mars he has to burn up. He has to get rid of it all. He has to cleanse it all to make a new heavens and a new earth and all things made new. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. For those of us who experience the loss of a loved one through death, who experience pain, maybe continual pain, maybe chronic pain, heartache, sorrow, persecution, rejection, Abuse, pain, suffering, sorrow, be no more. 
be no more pain, no more suffering, no more death, no more dying, no more crying. It's gone completely. Right? No little section in the center of the earth somewhere or some faraway place where people are being tortured day and night forever and ever, God keeping them alive and stoking them and poking them. No, he burned them up. They become ashes under the soles of our feet. They are as if they are no more. And then he creates the new heavens and new earth. And the pain and suffering and crying is gone forever. No more. It is passed away. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Our merciful God, our loving God, our just God who will enact justice and judgment, but does so in a good way, in a godly way, in a just way, in a loving way. And thus he creates the new heavens and new earth. And he who sat on the throne, right? He's on the throne at the judgment throne, but now he's on the throne as king. So he was thrown as the Kohen Gadol, as the judge, and now he's on the throne as the king. He said, behold, I make all things new. He said to me, right, for these things are true and faithful. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. We become the children of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the children of God, sons and daughters of God. It's so beautiful. Again, what a loving God, what a beautiful God. He loves us and embraces us and he makes us co-heirs with his son, co-heirs, equal heirs. Everything that Yeshua gets, we can be equal heirs with. We inherit the earth. I mean, it's amazing. What kind of God? I mean, again, they're all the other gods are so selfish. Right? Here he's sharing everything with us. The meek shall inherit the earth. Right? All things that we get. So beautiful. And he's true, he's faithful, and he says it is done. Now he also said, when, he was, when Yeshua was dying on Calvary, he said it is done. But now he's saying here, way later, Revelation 21, it's done. Well, when was it done? Was it done then or is it done here? Yes, right? There are several different done things, right? There are several things that he has to do. And that portion was done there, but there was more that still had to happen, right? Not everything happened there. Significant stuff happened there. He died for the sins of the world for all eternity as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And that part is done. He completed, he defeated Satan. He lived on earth in the flesh as a human, God divesting himself of his divinity and his power and becoming flesh. Emmanuel, God with us, but dwelling as a human, tempted in all ways like as we are, yet without sin. As the second Adam, defeating Satan as an Adam, as a human, and not failing like the first Adam did, but victorious. And that part was done. He completed it. He defeated him won the battle. And then at the end of the judgment, it is done. And now here, after it's all done, it is done as well, right? Kind of like you're building the home, right? So they get the foundation, that part is done. <laughs> and then they got to build the walls, and then that part is done, but it's not done yet. And then you got to decorate it, paint it, and move in, and then it's done, <laughs> right? So you made it all through the various different inspections. Good thing we passed inspection on our sukkah. So... <laughs> 
And it's done. So the final done, the finished done of Revelation 21, it is done. Justification and then the sanctification as well. Continued process. She had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Right? So again, I mentioned these gates many times in this passage, and then takes a break and then comes back. to. We're not going to keep going back and repeating all the second time, so we're cutting a couple of verses out that do the repetition. Verse 14, the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles, bringing it all together. One city, one people, Jew and Gentile together. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. So it's total square, total cube, long and high, all square. And here someone put together a little globe with a cube on it. And this cube is to scale according to the, the, the dimensions mentioned in the Bible. And so on the left here, you see it's covering from the river Euphrates to the Nile River, from river to river, the exact territory that God promised to Abraham. That to your descendants and to your seed, from the Euphrates River to the Nile River, shall be yours. And it is here where we get to really fully experience it. I'm sure God wanted it to happen for us to experience it before then, but since our failings and haven't done that, uh, but we will eternally do that. God will still fulfill his promise, and that'll be the landmass. Plus, there'll be the big oceans. But then also on the right, you see the height of it. It's just as high as it is wide and long. You can put a lot of people in there, right? How many stories is that? How many rooms? Right? How many mansions, right? You get a penthouse on that one? How about that, right? Or at least everyone will have a good view, I guess, right? And again, that's just our city home. And then you see the mass of the earth. There'll still be lots of room. And again, with no oceans, lots of maybe some rivers and lakes and ponds, but uh, plenty of place for us to build our home in the woods and then come to the city to, for the Sabbath and the new moon and fellowship with the Lord. Verse 18, the construction of the wall was of jasper and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. That's something gold that's so clear, so pure. I don't know how many carrots that would be. So pure and it's like transparent glass. It's rare. I have a ring that's that, of that type of gold. Totally, see it? <laughs> Verse 22, I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Again, he is it. He's the essence of it. He is everything. He is the sacrifice. He is the temple. He is the tabernacle. He is our all in all. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. So He is the tabernacle. He is the light. He is the light of the world, which in another sermon, <laughs> in a whole other, during the ceremony on Sukkot, 
Yeshua stepped forward and said, I am the light of the world. And there was a lighting ceremony when the temple was there. And again, we covered it in years past. But beautiful ceremony. And here again, Revelation brings it all together. And he is that lamp. He is that light. That light, if every man that cometh into the world. Verse 24, the nations of those who were saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring the glory, their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. They shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall be no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And that's why this has to come after the judgment. Because no one can enter in except those who have their names inscribed. And we covered the books a few weeks ago, the Book of Remembrance and the Book of Tears and the Book of Life. God's books. In Daniel it says, and the books were opened. And in Revelation, the books were opened. And the Lamb's Book of Life and our names written there and sealed there and kept there for eternity. And it says there'll be no more night there. I hope I have good shades because I, I can't sleep with it. <laughs> and I like my sleep. I mean, it's my favorite thing to do all day. I hate waking up. I can sleep. Love to sleep. So I don't know if there's no night. I don't know. I'm not, maybe not get to sleep anymore. I don't know. <laughs> no more sleeping. Didn't say that, but that would really be sad if there's no more sleeping. No more naps. Be tough. <laughs> yeah, get a lot of time. And there will be lots to do. In the Garden of Eden, God had them working even before fall, the fall, right? They were active. We will be active. We'll be activity, lots of activity. Don't, you know, forget about the harp lessons. They're going to be doing a lot more stuff than just harp lessons, right? Better to learn how to garden. That would be a better preparation for the new heavens and new earth than taking harp lessons. And a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Drink from the water of life freely. And also, when the tabernacle was still standing in Yeshua's day, there was a water ceremony on Sukkot, on the great day, the last day. Hosanna Rabbah. And Yeshua made use of that. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Drink of the water of life freely. Like the woman at the well, I will give you water that you will never thirst again. Come and drink. And we can drink from that now. We can enjoy that now. These are the things. We can walk in his light now. We can walk in his presence now. We can rejoice in the present now. We can receive strength and energy and hope and victory and power in him now. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. So a tree so big, it's got the river, I don't know how wide the river is, but the tree, a tree on both sides of the river. It looks like two trees, and then you look up, and it comes together, and it's one big, huge tree. I mean, bigger than like the sequoia trees that they cut holes in them so that they could drive cars through it, you know, big, or like a big banyan tree like we have here in Florida, a roots, big tree, huge tree, a river going through the midst of it. Twelve manner of fruit on it. We come each month, the new moon, come and eat of the fruit. Maybe every month it'll be a different fruit. Right? Passion fruit one month, and watermelon another month, and maybe some mixture, some kind of things. 
a plumberine or something like that. Who knows? You know, we'll have these different, <laughs> what God will do, right? Every month for eternity, it might be a different fruit that we get to try and taste, and it'll be so much better than anything we've ever tasted here on this earth. And there shall be no curse, but the throne of God of the Lamb shall be in it. Judgment done, no more curse, just blessings from the Lord. And also the curse going back to the Garden of Eden, right? That he cursed that we had to labor. We had to labor before, but now labor with sweat. So we're not going to be even sweating there, right? Well, labor would be good, good labor, happy labor, fun labor, working with our hands, right? Doing nice stuff. No thorns. No humidity. That's right. No humidity. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, right? Yeah. No bugs, no mosquitoes, no noceums. Right? I mean, they may be there, but they won't bother you anyway, right? <laughs> yeah. Be able to enjoy ourselves in God's presence and in the things he'll have us to do. Active and sharing with him around his throne and around his presence with no curse. And you look at, you know... The only explanation of why on this earth it's easier to grow thorns and weeds and briars. I mean, you ever think about that? You know, I mean, you could put down weed killer and it'll kill all the weeds and it'll kill all the grass. And even if you're surrounded with acres and acres and acres of farmland of hay and grass or whatever, you know what's going to grow on that pot of land within, within a, a three months? Weeds. They'll be the first ones to come back up. I don't know why they call it weed killer. <laughs> you know. But it'll be the weeds that come up first. And you try and plant some trees or some garden, and you're constantly having to get the weeds out. You ever see tomatoes just grow on their own? Right? You, ever, you know, good stuff just growing on its own? The good stuff takes work. Here we're cursed. The only explanation for that is in the Bible. That's the only explanation. The Bible says that he'd curse the ground, that we would have briars and thorns and thistles, and by the sweat of our brow, we would earn our keep. There's no other logical, if it evolution, then things are getting better, <laughs> right? Then the, then the thistles and the thorns and the weeds would be less, and the good stuff would be more. But we're not evolving, the earth is not evolving, you and I are not evolving, that's for sure, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but the earth neither is evolving, it's getting worse and worse. More thistles, more thorns, more diseases, more problems left on its own. But he eliminates the curse. So it'll be easy to grow the stuff there, the good stuff. You stick it on the ground, it'll grow. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need the lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Reigning with him, co-heirs with him, with his name in our forehead. His name, let this mind be in you that was in Yeshua the Messiah. His thoughts, his desires, totally in harmony with him, one with him, in unity with him, walking in step with him. Places his name into our mind. It's by choosing him now. That's what it means in the in our forehead. It's not the stamp. It, it's in the head. It's in the choice. We choose him. 
And we've chosen him, we can choose him now, and we will choose him for all eternity. Thus affliction shall not rise its head ever again. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man, everyone, according to his works. So again, at the end of the judgment, separate the wheat, tares, sheep, goats, unjust, done. Those that are righteous will be righteous still. Those that are holy, be holy still. And he's coming quickly, and his rewards are with him. What are his rewards? He comes with two rewards. When he comes, what are the rewards? Eternal life and death. That's right. The wages or the gift or the gift of God is eternal life through Yeshua our Messiah, right? The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. Those are the two rewards. To the wicked, he comes with death. And to the righteous, he comes with everlasting life. So his rewards are with him. And he gives to everyone according to his work. We're saved by faith, but faith without works is dead, so it's faith that works, and thus we'll be able to be judged based on those works, because those works will testify of whether the faith was real or not. And so it gives those rewards, whether life or death, eternal life or death, according to the works. And then we're in chapter 22, Revelation 22, verse 14. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and adulterers and whosoever loves and practices a lie. So blessed are those who do his commandments. Revelation 22, 14. We're at the very end. We're just a couple more verses. That's it. Blessed are those who do his commandments. It's so amazing how many people read the Bible and say, we don't have to do the commandments anymore. Uh, let's see, Revelation 22, verse 14, right at the end. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to enter into the tree of life and enter into the city. Where do they get this stuff the commandments are done away with? I mean, could you imagine at the judgment, you're standing there at the judgment and God says, did you do the commandments? No, I was told I didn't have to. Uh, who told you that? <laughs> he will judge the shepherds. But he'll judge us if we don't read Revelation 22, verse 14. <laughs> blessed are those who do his commandments. His commandments are good. They're not grievous. They're blessed. They're holy. They're righteous. They're God's gifts to us. Not in our own strength. We can't keep them in our own strength, but through the Holy Spirit, writing the laws in our hearts and minds, creating us new, he lives them through us and out of us that we enter in through his gates. But outside are dogs. I hate to break the news. That's what it says. Fluffy might not make it. I know, I know. He's not talking about literal four-legged dogs. I get it. He's talking about Sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers, adulterers, and liars. Sorry, wicked people. That's what he's talking about. That's what God makes an analogy to, so that's not so great either. <laughs> you know, so, I don't know. That, that's the thing that you let lick you. I mean, amazing, you know. 
<laughs> but anyway, now I will say, you know, where it talks about, <laughs> it talks about the murderers and the adulterers and, and the sexually immoral and the liars. He mentions those twice. He only mentions dogs once. So maybe that's a little, you know, saving grace there for the dogs. So they may be all right. But sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers, adulterers, liars, does that sound like today? I mean, we're living in it where that's accepted. I mean, that's approved. Where the controllers of the world are getting away with this stuff and laughing about it. With no judgment, with no justice. First degree murders. Blatant murders and lying about it and other lies, bringing about mass murder even, in a sense, taking place. And sexually immoral? That is praised. Even children's stuff. They're bringing in sexual immorality and promoting it. Horrible, horrible, horrible stuff. Wicked, wicked, wicked. God will deal with it. Repent, be converted, they may enter in to God's just and holy place. And even so-called religious congregations, so-called believing in the word of God, are encouraging what the Bible condemns through and through, all throughout. There'll be a heavy judgment heavy judgment upon those teaching these lies, encouraging these lies. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. So God invites us. We don't have to be dogs. We don't have to be sorcerers. We don't have to be sexually immoral. We don't have to be liars. We don't have to be murderers anymore. As Paul says, as some of us once were. As really all of us once were. We're all born with perverted desires. We're all born with carnal hearts. We're all born with evil inclinations. And not only is it easier for the weeds to grow, it's easier for us to sin. That's why it's so much easier for us to do wrong than to do right. <laughs> and that's why good habits and good behavior has to be taught. Because it's not natural, again, that's a testimony of what the Bible said, that we took on a carnal nature and we chose to follow Satan. And we're now from being in God's image, no longer in God's image, now in Satan's image, and that's why we have to be reborn, new heaven's new earth, and new us, new creatures, all things made new. New minds, new hearts, new desires. His transformation, again, out of Babylon, out of Egypt, and out of Babylon, into his glorious life. And he invites us, come, 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 come. He doesn't want him outside. He doesn't want us outside. He wants us to come in, but he has some criteria, good, just criteria that are good for us, every individual, and good for everyone we come in contact with. I know we'll be happy if God allowed murderers, liars, adulterers, sexually immoral, and wicked, praying to the devil, sorcerers, Come in. We'll just ruin heaven all over again, make it like this earth. This is a horrible place. But he invites us to come. Come and give that stuff up. Come lay it at the cross. Come confess it. 
if you confess our, my, your sins, your, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Come, 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 what a beautiful God. Inviting, come, come, come to me. He wants us to come to him. He's come to us. And he wants us to come back with him. Stop running away. Stop resisting Adam and Eve hiding in the bush. And he comes to them. Where are you? Come. He came to us. He comes to us. And he invites us to come out of hiding. Come out of denial. And come to him. Come into his arms. Everyone. Everyone who hears. Everyone who thirsts. Desiring more. Come to him. The Spirit and the Bride say come. Well, the Holy Spirit is going forth throughout the world and pressing, but who's the Bride? God is calling us to give his message and invite people. Come, come, come. Hear the word of the Lord. Come, read the word of God. Come, enter into his presence. Come and surrender all to him. Come and be filled with his power and his grace and his goodness and his spirit. Come and have victory. Come and have deliverance. Come and have the guilt removed and the burdens lifted. Come and experience his peace and his freedom. Come, come, come. He's calling us to invite the world. But when this gospel is preached in all the world, then the end shall come. That's the reason we're here and not there yet. He's waiting on us. He doesn't want any should perish. He doesn't want any children left outside. But he won't let them in. He won't let us in unless we choose him. He's already chosen us. And unless we accept him, he can't let us in. And he doesn't want to leave anyone out who didn't know, who didn't know any better. So he calls us to go and invite them. And then verse 20 and 21, the end of the Bible. Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Yeshua. The grace of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, be with you all. Amen. And if that's your desire, if you want to see him, if you want him to come, again, God calls us to hasten his coming by going forth and sharing and witnessing. So let's read that together. Let's have a, I'll read it like God's part, saying, surely I'm coming, and then together we'll read the middle part. Amen. Even so, come Lord, Yeshua, right? And then I'll read the end of a blessing on you. How's that sound, okay? Yeah. All right. Surely I am coming quickly. I mean, I should use a God voice. Surely I, I don't, does he really have a God voice, a deep voice? I mean, who knows? Maybe he's got a tall, squeaky voice. I don't know, right? Yeah. <laughs> surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Yeshua. And the grace of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, be with you all. Amen. 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 And so as we prepare to pray together, God's impressing on your heart, mind, some area in your life that's not right with him, that would not be in harmony with heaven. Got to let go of it now. We hold on to it here, we'll take it there. So let go of it. Nothing in there will defile. So let go of it now. Any defilement, anything that God's impressing your mind and heart about. 
Give it over to him. Accept his grace. Accept his forgiveness. Accept his cleansing. And accept his power to change. Be transformed. All things made new. Secondly, if God's impressing your heart and mind with someone who needs to hear the gospel, maybe someone you know, maybe a family member, maybe a friend, maybe someone at work, someone at school, someone in your neighborhood, maybe someone you don't know, maybe just a people group, maybe just a neighborhood, God's impressing on your mind the need to hear the gospel. Maybe the rich and elite, maybe calling you to write letters or whatever. <laughs> Somehow, some form, maybe poor and homeless, whatever, whatever people group. God's calling you, pressing on your mind and heart. The moment when we pray, you can say, Lord, here I am, send me. Fill me with your spirit. Open my mouth and speak through me, use me, whether passing out tracts or however, social media, however you, God impresses you to use, be used. Third, if you want to just thank God and praise him, for the wonderful promise of the new Jerusalem that he's promised for us, and the new earth. But again, I didn't go into details here on the lamb and the lion laying together, the new heavens, being able to travel through the heavens, the drink of the water of life. We want to thank him for those promises and grab a hold of that. Then a moment when we pray, you can just praise him and just thank him. Fourth, if you're experiencing sorrow, heartache, crying, troubles, difficulties, and you want by faith to be able to rejoice, ask the Lord to give you the power to rejoice. It's not something you can manufacture and do on your own. That's just being happy. But we can choose and ask God to give us the spirit of rejoicing. Lay your troubles at his feet. Lay your troubles down. Give them to him whatever heartache, whatever sorrow, from past or present, lay it down and give it to him. Let him bear it on Calvary. Let him bury it in the tomb. Let him remove it from you. Let him take it from you. Let him fill you with a spirit of grace and spirit of rejoicing. Because if any of those areas apply to you, let us pray together and thank the Lord. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we do praise you and thank you for heaven and the promise of heaven. Thank you, Lord, that you're preparing places for us. Thank you that you're going to take us there. Thank you you're going to destroy this whole ugly planet and make it all new. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us. Thank you for the promise of eternity. Thank you that we can experience your peace and your joy and your presence even right now. Remove from us every sin and every worry and every care, every hurt and every pain every guilty feeling, remove it all, nail it to the cross. Fill us with your goodness and your peace and your love. And Lord, use us as your bride, make us your bride. Totally cleanse us and purify us through and through, without spot, without wrinkle, virgins before you. And use us in sharing and giving the message to the invitation to all we come in contact with. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.